Well, welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Apprenticeship Toolbox, the podcast where we explore the themes of our weekend message and ask how they help us to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. And today I've got Graham with me again. So I'm back welcome again. Graham. Yeah, you're still here for a bit, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for uh, a few more weeks. How many more? That's uh, Well, I, I mean, my, my last day technically is the 31st of December. Um, New so Year's party. Whatever, whatever that is, you All count right. down. The, you you have been doing the countdown. I think you've got the countdown clock going on your phone. Yeah, I mean, if you with tune a in big the, party celebration maybe, at the end. <laughs> oh gosh, no way, uh, man. So, how is preparing for transition going? This sobering entering into these last number of weeks here. I bet. Yeah, I mean, everything is a is a last now in terms of uh, converge coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, that will be uh, my last converge with SPAC um, after 20 years. And so just putting the finishing touches on my last converged talk, hmm. uh, those have always been important because they they kind of reflect back on what God has done and then look forward to what God is going to do. And so um, as I've been thinking on that, there's a lot to reflect back on. And uh, and then the other part of uh, of this transition that we're finding particularly difficult and praying through is um, what does it look like to uh, say goodbye in a meaningful way during uh, during the pandemic? Typically, people would come and see you at church. Wendy and I are here every Sunday um, for two services at 9 and 11. And, uh, and yet, with the reality of COVID, um, we don't have, the majority of our people aren't here. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our people are online. And so what does it look like for, for us and for the church to, to bring closure over the next number of weeks? Uh, I think one of the ways that we bring closure is a meaningful goodbye mm-hmm. uh, face-to-face, um, you know, typically is what we would want, want and hope for. So we're, we're kind of wrestling through that and trying to figure out well, how, do, how do we say goodbye to our people that we love. Yeah, that's strange, right? I mean, even thinking about the reality that you could, especially since you're still going to be in town, you could run into somebody a year from now, and based on just COVID realities, they might not even realize you've been gone. I know. They may think, I'm still pastoring at Stony Plain Alliance Church. And we told somebody this week um, who has been part of our community, we've known them for almost 20 years, and we told them that we were resigning, and they they just about fell off their chair. They said, what? That's shocking, you know, and... uh, it is a big, it is a big change. Um, it it's is. a change for us and it's a change for our community. And, um, and so we want to be able to, in the midst of this, we want to be able to say goodbye in a meaningful way, because mm-hmm. I think that, you know, closure is really, really important and we would do that well. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about that. So, uh, this weekend, uh, we talked about a, a non thorny idea at all of submission. Totally non thorny. No, yeah, nobody, we, nobody has adverse thoughts to this idea at all. No, not at all. No. So um, you talked about the idea of submitting to one another, and mm. I just want to, you know, as we get started, I think it's it's good to define the terms that we're using. And so yeah. if you could uh, explain here again, I know you did on Sunday, mm-hmm. but what do you what do you mean when you mean submission? Yeah, I mean in in uh, Ephesians chapter five, um, verses eighteen to thirty one, uh, sorry, eighteen to twenty one, um, the Apostle Paul outlines the the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, in the life of a community, and um, one of the effects of the Spirit-filled life, and we'll talk more about that later, I think, but uh, is actually submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so uh, when we think about submission, we're not talking about being a doormat. We're not talking about being a victim. We're not talking about, you know, living under uh, underneath a tyrant. Uh, what we're talking about is um, 
mutually uh, submitting to one another, mutually looking out for the best interest of the other person. So where two or more people are gathered, whether it's in a marriage, a family, um, or a church, um, mm-hmm. maybe a small group, it's, you know, the looking out for the best interest of, of one another. And so most of us wake up, I said this on Sunday, most of us wake up thinking about ourselves, yeah. right? And, totally. Uh, yeah. what, do, what do we need? Unless you, unless you have a screaming toddler. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, no, you're still thinking about yourself because you, you uh, have... from experience, it's why am I not getting to sleep right now? Right, so. yeah. It's not so their needs, it's so, mine. So that's just evidence of the fact that we're, we're pretty self-focused people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is, is helping us to take focus off of self and put our focus on God and others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to um, think too much. You know, we don't, we don't have to learn to think too much about ourselves because most of us are thinking about ourselves mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah. Um, oh. There's a lot of self-thought going on. And so whether that's good or bad, some people think very highly of themselves, some don't think very highly at all, but they're still thinking about themselves. Exactly. Our world still runs as though we're on the throne of everything. Yeah. Else. And so to be able to take focus off of self and put, them, put our focus on the needs of other people, I think is a revolutionary thing. And it's part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if we are living in relationship with the Holy Spirit, then that would be one of the natural effects of that. Yeah. And so what is it? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really looking out for the best interest of one another. Two people doing that, two or more people doing that. And that, that's what mutual submission is. That's what we defined it to be anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, so... Um one thing about the way you've defined submission, the thing that keeps coming up, is all the ways that it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't about a tyrancy. This isn't about being a doormat. This isn't about getting being a pushover. Instead, it's about two people um, wanting the best in one another. And this is, uh, I think, really a countercultural mm-hmm. idea. It is. You know, like you said, we, we all think about ourselves first and foremost. But... Um, you know, what do you think? Uh, why do you think, it, I should say, so why do you think this is so countercultural, though? Or why is this such a, a f- important thing to, to take a Sunday and talk about it? Right. Well, I mean, uh, from a biblical perspective, um, it, we recognize that, you know, sort of the essence of sin is going our own way. And so mm-hmm. we, we basically put ourselves at the center of, of life, right? And now we live in a culture that, that is epitomized by placing the individual at the very center of life. Uh, there are societies that value community more than they value the individual. So they make decisions based on what is best for the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our world pretty much looks at the individual as the center of life. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about what's best for the whole. We think about what's best for the individual. And so we have all of these sort of in, everything is individualized and customized now because mm-hmm. the individual is at the center. Whether We see that in products that are sold in stores. We see that the way those products are marketed. Um, we, we see that in even in how churches customize plans mm-hmm. for people, whether it's a discipleship plan or a growth plan. Mm-hmm. Everything is customized. Mm-hmm. And that happens because our society has said the individual matters more than the larger community. And mm-hmm. so... So you have this thing called sin that's working in us, and then you have the culture that mm-hmm. has said, 
um, the individual really is at the center of society. And so um, uh, submitting to one another is revolutionary because it goes against the sin nature and it goes against what's happening in our culture today, which places the individual at the center. And so, you know, you see that on... uh, on Facebook or Instagram where everybody's promoting their own cause. Everyone has a voice. Everyone's mm-hmm. voice is important. Every, it, it is the individual at the center of society hmm. that characterizes our culture today. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think um, it's a byproduct of the postmodern worldview where we've rejected all larger stories, everything that, that could be something that would be an absolute truth for everyone. And it's really taken the the goal of the community and driving towards something bigger mm. out of the equation. And it's made it about acceptance of one another. That would be the ultimate good is mm. that I can accept you the way you are. Mm. And you will accept me the way I am as long as I'm not too egregious towards you. And so as a result, um, we're afraid of, of what would tell us that we can't do everything we want to do. Mm. That there could actually be some ultimate reality um, some ultimate authority, and I mean, especially we're, we're quite nervous of authority. You, you see that even on Facebook as it relates to pandemic, as it relates to electoral colleges. And as a result, we're we're fearful of having to submit because it, it means that we can't always get our mm-hmm. way. Right. You know, it means that um, there could be limitations placed on us from an outside. Right. And what if they don't have our best interests in mind? Right. Because I want to make sure if I'm going to do something, it's actually going to work out best for me. You know? And we've seen that, right? I mean, you good reference there in terms of the pandemic where there is a large part of our society that rejects any sort of, you know, what might be deemed as government control Mm -hmm. in this pandemic, uh, whether that be mask wearing or restricting the size of gatherings and all of those sorts of things. How dare you infringe on my rights and freedoms? Mm -hmm. We hear that a lot, right? Yeah. And so there is, there's definitely an uprising in society whenever there is a whiff of any sort of authority Mm -hmm. (laughs) that might infringe upon us. Yeah, and it's weird, even you mentioned like the whole idea of rights and freedoms. Like the reason we have so much basis in our, our Western cultures on individual rights and freedoms comes from uh, our, our Christian worldview of of seeing the, the basic humanity and the dignity in one another. Absolutely, and, yeah. And yet, when we cling too hard to the, those rights and freedoms, we actually lose the essence of right. mutual submission in right. the process. That the essence of um, what Paul talks about in Philippians 2 of submitting to one another, mm. or sorry, um, not submitting to one another, but instead having the same perspective that Jesus has towards one another of laying down your rights. Right. Right. And so. Well, Mark Sayers, who uh, writes a lot and talks a lot about secularism mm-hmm. and the impact of secularism, would say that the culprit for this is actually Christianity, because as you noted, you know, we have um, given value to the individual. And mm-hmm. Scripture actually does that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, actually does value the individual, not at the expense of the larger community and not at the expense of our responsibility to community, but but in, in, a, in a very, um, I think, in a, in a very proper way gives, um, you know, give, gives the ability for us to to see the individual as created in the image of God and having worth and value. Uh, But our secular culture has actually taken that to the extreme. And so Mm -hmm. really, you know, Sayers said, 
that Christians or Christianity is actually to blame, so to speak, Mm -hmm. for the for the reality that we're living in today, where the individual now is the you know, mm. at the height of everything and the center of everything. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, because you, you think about the foundation Christianity left and then um, the response of abuse of power in the process, mm. and um, especially in medieval and uh, later Europe and the way that that played out in this rejection of authority, in this rejection of uh, larger meta narratives and postmodernism that, that took away um, the basis of authority and so all you're left with then is individual dignity, right? And and the the larger, the larger value of the community. And yeah, it's interesting now how yeah. we're at that point. So now you and I are just nerding out a little bit. Yeah, this which is, is fun, kind of yeah. a cool conversation. I don't know if anyone else is interested in that, but yeah, hopefully you're still with us. If not, well, <laughs> we're having fun. Exactly. Oh man, this is this is yeah, this is really interesting. And I, I think so. Then we're we're really fearful of submission because we've seen it go wrong so often. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've seen submission instead of being a mutual situation where both parties submit to one another, submission is told that, no, you submit to this other person. Right. And submission looks like I get my way and you, you have to deal with it. Right. So you're dealing with, uh, with the power dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. You're dealing with the abuse of power. Uh, you're dealing with um, pride and um, insecurity. And um, in worst case scenarios, you're dealing with um, with violence and abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and and as a result, I mean, how could you not be fearful of the word submission? Absolutely. Know? Yeah, yeah. It it definitely is something that I think as a leader as well, you really have to be aware of, be mm-hmm. cognizant of in your own leadership, um, particularly in the world that we live in, um, as people look at leaders as having some sort of positional power. Mm-hmm. Um, as a leader, you need to be aware of that power dynamic. And um, you, can, you can very easily give in to you know, the, the wrong side of power. You can use your power for the good of those that you serve, mm-hmm. or you can abuse your power <laughs> for your own benefit, yeah. right? And, and so I think that's what we're scared of, is we're scared of the reality that we yeah, we see lots of examples. Yeah, you don't have to look too far. The in the abuse news of power, to see all, this. Yeah. all over, and you see it in the church, right? You and I were talking about the fact that we we've seen that in recent years, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of ho- um, high-profile leaders have have been exposed for abusing power. Yeah, yeah. The Me Too movement didn't just stay in culture; it moved into the church. Right. I mean, that's a, a good example of how this played out. I mean, there's other ways that it worked too, and in staff dynamics and some mega churches that resulted in one leader having their way and it all being built around them and them getting to abuse their power. But this sadly creeps in so easily in situations of power right. to, to say, I'm in charge, you, you do what I say. Right. And sadly, we, we, I don't see how you, I see how you get there from the, the flesh. Like if we've got this triumphant of evil against us of the world, the flesh and the devil. Mm. I see how it happens there when you're not properly submitted to Christ and to the Spirit to to start playing in that way. But as you so well reminded us that when you're filled with the Spirit uh, and submitted to the Spirit, it, it, it's this is how you actually have mutual submission happen. Mm. And so how does... Um, 
let, let's dig into that a bit. How does a spirit-filled life empower mutual submission? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, in Ephesians, uh, that passage that we talked about, eighteen to 5, 18 to 21, there are three components of the, or outflows of the spirit-filled life. Uh, one is uh, is singing, making music, and uh, singing melodies because of who God is, his greatness, his majesty, his holiness, to sort of have this uh, understanding of God, and it's just the, the natural expression of that is to is to worship, and we see that happening, you know, in, in churches, we see it happening in, in homes. I, I really connect with God through worship. It's part mm-hmm. of my normal devotional life. It's not something I just do here on Sunday morning. I listen to worship music. It's part of my, you know, sort of regular pattern of uh, relating with God. I, mm-hmm. my heart wants to wants to sing, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the the practice of giving thanks, and that's a natural outflow of the work of the Holy Spirit. That we we're naturally thankful for what God's done for us, right? Mm-hmm. If the Spirit of God's working in our lives, it's going to produce thankfulness, mm-hmm. and so we we recognize that those. I mean, most of us would recognize that those two things are are only really possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. Like a person who doesn't have the Spirit in them isn't going to sing praises to God. Mm-hmm. They might sing praises to themselves. They might sing sure. some great tunes on the radio, but it's not directed toward God. The only way that you can actually praise God is because the Spirit of God has worked in your life and revealed them through you, to you through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way that we're going to give thanks back to God is through the work of the Spirit in our lives as the Holy Spirit reveals what God has done for us in Christ and, and the fact that He's you're really involved in every detail of our lives. Give us this day our daily bread, right? And mm-hmm. to, even to be able to sit down at night and to say thanks and give thanks is, is, a, is an act of uh, a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. To recognize that I have not provided for myself today, but God has been my provider, and everything I have comes from Him. Which I is think, a deeply countercultural statement you just made. That is the gospel of Alberta, the self-made person exactly. who's pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah, and, and this flies completely in the opposite direction of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and then when you think about submitting to one another, then out of reverence for Christ, then that is also the natural outflow of the work of the Holy Spirit, because uh, the Holy Spirit really does uh, transform us and conform us into the likeness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about who Jesus was at the, at the end of the day, fully God, fully man, yes, but, you know, often uh, identified as, as the servant, you know, mm-hmm. Isaiah, the suffering servant, Jesus is... Jesus is the one who comes and bears the sin of his people as a servant. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then Jesus uh, taking on the nature of a servant. Paul talks about it uh, very eloquently in that hymn in Philippians chapter 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, talks, talks about the nature of Jesus being, uh, being that of a servant and going to the lowest place possible. And so... You know, when Jesus reveals God to us, he reveals God to us as one who suffers and serves mm-hmm. for the sake of his people and serves his people. He mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, and so are we ever, you know, over God, even though God has come to serve us, are, are we ever, do we ever have a place of authority over God just because he serves? No, not at all. Never, ever. Oh. <laughs> and yet he serves, mm-hmm. right? And so this whole idea of mutual submission has nothing to do with hierarchy. No, everything to do with our character, and everything to do with um, what we do toward the other person. Am mm-hmm. I living for the sake of your good? Hmm. 
And, um, you know, that's a question that, that we should ask. And a person who is full of the Holy Spirit will begin to live for the good of other people, not just for their own good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question to ask as, as it relates to your apprenticing with Christ, as it relates to your spiritual formation and how you're, you're growing to be more like Christ is, am I more, more and more willing to, to do things for the good of others instead of myself? Right. That's, that's really compelling to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, I think the beauty of, of this, uh, the wonder of this is, that is, is when it happens um, between two people or more people. You know, mm-hmm. if it just happens one way, um, it's not mutual. And no. so submit to one another. I think that, you know, there, there's, there's a miracle, I think, that almost has to take place in mm-hmm. a group or in a, in a marriage where, you, where two people begin to live for the sake of the other person. If it's only one person, it doesn't work. No, if it's only one person, then we're, we're treading back into that abuse of power situation. Right. But there's a true, something good, true, and beautiful that happens yeah. when it's mutual. And that's when I, when I counsel young couples, when we counsel, Wendy and I counsel young couples, we, we talk about spiritual compatibility. And, um, you know, I, I've often said to them, uh, if you are not both surrendered to Christ and submitted to Christ, um, you're going to be pulling in two different directions. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a mutual marriage. No. Um, and if, if they're both not following Christ or apprenticing under Christ, then they're spiritually compatible. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're not, if you're not equally yoked to Christ, if you're not equally sub- submitted and surrendered to Christ, you won't have that no. You'll be driving element of mutual directions. submission. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you might have that person who is following Christ and the other one who's not, and they're trying to surrender. And what does that, what does that look like? You, you won't have, you, you just won't have it. Mm. And so, um, I think that's why it's significant that, you know, both spouses are on the same page. I think it's significant that members of a church are on the same page and wanting to surrender to the the work of the Holy Spirit and understanding that this is a natural outflow of the work of the Holy Spirit so that we can cooperate with him. Mm -hmm. What do you do if you find yourself in a relationship and only your... um apprenticing with Jesus Mm -hmm. or yoked to Christ and the other person isn't. What's your advice then? Well, I think Paul has some advice for us in Corinthians. Um, the, the advice is to, is to stay, um, to stay in that marriage and to win that person over through your surrender and submission to Christ and the best of your ability to, without being a doormat Mm -hmm. to serve the other person. Yeah. You're not telling them to be a victim of abuse or anything. Exactly. Not at all. But but to be able to win that person over with, um, you know, love and good deeds, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? To be able to serve that person to the best of your ability without becoming a doormat. It's difficult. Yeah, there's a fine line there. No, nobody's imagine. suggesting that it's easy. I think it's mm-hmm. one of the most difficult situations that you can find yourself in. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with whether you love the person or not. No, or their their basic goodness or anything right. like that. Not at it's all. Just a, it's a trajectory conversation. So... As we think about our apprenticeship journey with Jesus and how we're wanting to be like Jesus, to, to become like him, it means that we need to become like him in his incarnation. And in his incarnation, we see the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, um, who has no, no needs outside of himself, all of a sudden become a baby. And I mean, we've both had 
four kids, and uh, we remember holding tiny little infants in our hands. And mm. every time uh, I hold one of my kids, even uh, in those first few weeks, and it's the most terrifying moment because their necks are so flimsy and all that stuff. I just can't help, help but have my mind drawn to Christ and the God who, who unlimited power, all of a sudden can't even feed himself, can't even turn himself over, can't meet any need. Mm. And this is the example we have of, of, of being so willing to work for the common good, for the good of others, that you'll lay down hmm. everything. Hmm. It's, it's really um, hard for me to wrap my mind around, hmm. to be honest, and yet so, so compelling at hmm. the same time. Right. And so. Well, it's interesting, too, just, you know, the, the definition sort of, of of meekness. I've heard it said that it is you know, power brought under control. Mm-hmm. And so submitting to one another isn't really um, giving up any power at all. It's actually bringing it under control for the sake of other people and serving other, using that power for uh, mm-hmm. the sake of others rather than for the sake of yourself. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about Jesus, really, he, he demonstrates the principle of the leader goes first. Yeah. Um, and so when you think of Jesus uh, coming in the form of a baby, and making himself vulnerable and helpless and, and then going to the cross and dying for us. He, he's showing us what a life of service looks like, a life of sacrifice looks like, mm-hmm. a life that's submitted to, to God and to, to the greater good of other people. And uh, so when you think about, you know, whether, whether it be in churches or homes, however you find yourself led or are leading uh, in, co- in different contexts, um, if you would be considered the leader or whatever the term that you would use it's really the leader's responsibility to go first and so mm-hmm. it's the leader's responsibility to model service and we talked about you know first peter chapter 5 where uh where a peter uh, encourages the elders of the church to to lead the church as uh, shepherds of the flock not lording it over mm-hmm. but leading by example and uh, the the example being you know the example of Christ of of showing the congregation showing the flock that they lead that they are willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the flock and so you know you, if you if you are uh, in a, in an environment where you have any leadership kind of influence um, if you if you want to see mutual submission begin to um, if you want to see mutual submission be, begin to uh, play itself out, it's your responsibility really to take that lead. Um, and so if you're a, a leader, you consider yourself a leader in your home, mm-hmm. begin to practice submission to the people that you're serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's kind of an interesting... When you look at Paul's writing, you know, beyond uh, 521, he begins to deal with um, husbands and wives and parents and children and slaves and masters, which slaves and masters are it's not terminology we're using today, but we could term that as employers and employees. Yeah, or they're all power dynamic situations. Power, they're all power dynamic situations. Yeah. And he's, he's appealing in that context. And all of mm-hmm. those people, like if you were a, a woman, if you were a child, if you were a slave, the the cultural expectation is that you would submit to that person. That you would be the doormat. You would be the doormat. Mm-hmm. And so what Paul is calling for here really is for those who are in leadership positions in those scenarios, he's calling for them 
to exhibit something very different than what would have been culturally appropriate normal in that day and age. So for a husband to actually love his wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself, gave himself up for her, that was revolutionary mm-hmm. in that day and age. Completely and totally, right? right? And for parents not to exasperate their children, not to, you know, be hard on them, mm-hmm. that was revolutionary. Or for a master to treat his slave kindly, that would have been... Unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So it's really calling for those who are in those leadership positions, given positions of power, to lay that aside for the sake of those who are in their care. Yeah. Which then, 2,000 years later, leads us to the situation we find ourselves in. Absolutely. <laughs> cultural context. Yeah. Oh, well, great. So uh, let's, let's move over to our tool for the toolbox then. You know, we, we try to give a tool for your apprenticeship toolbox, a, a way that you can be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus does. And uh, this week, uh, I just heard it so clearly throughout the sermon that we need to be submitted to the Spirit, that that's, that's the key to unlocking all of this, is that our lives need to come in proper relationship to the Spirit, um, to be uh, not drunk on wine, as was referred to, but instead filled with the Spirit, which is this constant filling that happens over and over again. And, and the Spirit um, doesn't, uh, doesn't try to control us and, and take over what we won't give, but instead fills what we give Him. And so, um, yeah, how do, we, how do we do this well? How do we live a life in submission to the Spirit would be uh, the, the tool. So what we want to offer you is uh, a potential way to to evaluate your life in terms of submission to the Spirit. So uh, one way you could do this is uh, maybe grab a coffee, a cup of tea, glass of wine, whatever you, you find yourself with, and give yourself some space um, just to reflect prayerfully, uh, perhaps on your week, on your day, and just go, where did I find a hard time um, with giving up my rights today? Where do I find a hard time um, submitting myself? Uh, and, and also, uh, where do I have a hard time with, um, with, you know, not getting my way? So perhaps that's with uh, your time um, in the morning before you get up and get going. Maybe it's after, if you've got kids after the kids are in bed and you have now your free time. Maybe it's in the purchases you're making. Um, maybe, Graham, you were saying earlier, uh, even in wounds and pain, in generational patterns, lies that you've believed, that um, there's all sorts of ways that we try to take control of our lives and um, to put things in, in the perspective of our lordship instead of the spirits. Mm-hmm. And so to take some time and, and just try and make note of those things and then ask the spirit, well, submit those things to the spirit and say, you know, Spirit, I give to you control over my my wallet, over my purchases. I give you control over uh, the shows I watch and the time I, I commit to, to those shows. Uh, or, Spirit, I've been really holding on to this wound and pain, and it's keeping me from being fully with you. Mm-hmm. So would you help me walk through this? And maybe that means you need to reach out to a friend, uh, to one of us pastors, uh, your small group leader, and just ask um, for help going through this. Maybe it's getting counseling um, and just sitting with that wound or pain, uh, a generational pattern or a lie that you're believing, and actually working that through so that you can fully submit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's great. That's a great exercise, Matt. And can, can I just, just sort of add one more thing, Always, just a thought yeah. in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit? I think what you've offered is, is really helpful. Um, and continuing just to bring us back to the, you know, the work of God's Spirit in our lives. And it really is all about the outflow of God's Spirit. Um, I was reading uh, this week, I've been reading Oswald Chambers, um, My Utmost for His Highest, sort of in this transition, I've been drawn back to that. That has mm-hmm. been, that book was very significant for me in my early ministry days and uh, helped form me. And so I thought I would go back and uh, drink from that stream again cool. as I make this transition. And Oswald Chambers says, um, maturity is produced in the life of a child of God on the unconscious level until we become so totally surrendered to God that we're not even aware of being used by him. And so, you know, it, it really is about drawing near to him and being being in his presence and allowing him to transform us. And he goes on to, to write, a saint is never consciously a saint. A saint is consciously dependent on God. And mm-hmm. so uh, I just sort of love that thought of living in constant dependence on God and allowing that constant dependence and surrender of God to work itself out in us um, and allow our actions, you know, whether it's uh, mutual submission or it's forgiving one another or accepting one another, all of those things that we've been talking about is a result of the Spirit-filled life and an outflow of the Spirit-filled life. And so our, our goal isn't to try to submit to one another. It's not to try to accept one another, although it's good to do, um, it's, it's good to evaluate how that's happening or playing out in our lives. So that's why I think what you've offered is really valuable. But as we, as you come back, at, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 about living in dependence on the Holy Spirit. And as you do, the fruit will be produced. Yeah. So. Yeah, because again, like you talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's not our work; it's His work to do mm-hmm. in us. Amen. Yeah. So, this seems like as good a place as any to wrap up here. So, thanks for joining us today on the Apprenticeship Toolbox. It's been a great conversation with you, Matt, yeah, and with really everyone is. else out there. Yeah, hopefully they're still week. with us. They didn't, they didn't, we didn't lose them on the nerd out earlier. But. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Thank you.